You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I am glad to be in Christ. You know, I've said this more than one time that it would be a scary place Earth would be a scary place to not be in Christ. But thank God we are in him and we always win. Come on, say that. I always win. I began a series in our first episode. This is our second episode entitled Best Days Ahead. Your best days our head. No matter what you're dealing with right now, your best days are ahead. Come on, say that after me. My best days are ahead. Now, the theme is hope. We're dealing with hope. You know, Minister Reverend Jesse Jackson says we're to keep hope alive. The goal, one of the things we're trying to accomplish in this series is to assist you in looking beyond the now. There's so many things going on right now and, and so many challenges that people are facing and maybe you're facing, and we want to make sure that you're looking beyond the now. Now, in our first episode, boy, it was a good one. Now, if you were not here, I'm going to give you a brief review, but if you were not, if you did not listen to the first episode of Best Days Ahead, in the first episode, I was teaching on the fact that your, you, your future is bright. You have a bright future. There was a, a text that I quoted, and I want to go back to it, in Job 8, 7. In the King James Version, it says, Though thy beginning was small, yet your latter days or latter end shall greatly increase. Now, listen, I looked up this text in six other translations. I want to go back to just three of them, and then we're going to take off today. Listen, in the Good News Translation, it says, all the wealth you lost will be nothing compared with what God will give you then in the future, bright days ahead. Job 8, 7, let's look at it again. In the, in the, new, in the good news translation, that was the good word translation. Well, let me go back to the good word translation. It says, what you had in the past will seem small compared to the great prosperity you will have in the future. And then look at, listen to this. It says in the New International Reader's Version, it says, in the past things went well with you, but in the days to come, things would be even better. Now, in episode one, I talked about how change is the doorway into this best life. Your best days are ahead of you. Now, that's that's the best I could do on a review, but you have to go back and listen to episode one. Today, 
we're going to talk about time is a terrible thing to waste. Now, you've heard the slogan, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. I'm talking about time today. Time is a terrible thing to waste. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I want to read it or quote it in the authorized King James Version, and then I want to quote it in the NIV. Listen to uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 in the uh, King James Version. In the NIV, same text, Ephesians 5, 15 through 7, the NIV says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 in the King James Version and in the NIV Version. Now, in this introduction, we're talking about time is a terrible thing to waste. Time is a terrible thing to waste. Now, in this introduction, I want to look at three words in our subject or in our text. Three primary words, three key words that's going to set up the rest of the, the lesson. And I want you to listen carefully to these three words, and let's give you some definitions. I want to talk about waste, then talk about the word redeem, and then talk about the word time. Waste, redeem, time. Now listen at, let's, what does waste mean? The word waste means to misuse, to misuse, or to use in a wrong way. Secondly, the word waste means to consume, spend, or implore careless, carelessly, carelessly, to no purpose or to no profit. Let me give that definition again. The word waste means to consume, spend, or implore carelessly to no purpose or to no profit. Now I want you to listen at the third definition of waste, 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 waste. Time is a terrible thing to waste. The third definition of the word waste means to fail to use what you have. Fail to use. Now, this is the total, total opposite of the first two definitions. The first two definitions dealt with using something in a wrong way. This third definition of waste is to fail to use what you have. For example, you know, if you've been into sports, 
any length of time. We, we've all seen athletes on different levels, whether it be high school, whether it be college, or whether it be in, in the NBA, athletes who had great talent, but for whatever reason, fail to reach their potential. They fail to use what they had. We also have a phenomenon in our school systems today. Uh, young, especially young black students who are brilliant, but they have dumbed themselves down in order to fit in order to fit. In other words, they don't want to seem too smart, so they dumb themselves down or they fail to use their brilliance. They fail to use what they have. Now, I want you to think about that definition uh, because I'm going to really work that definition through this lesson, to fail to use what you have. Now, the word redeem is not a word we use a lot of. The Bible says redeem the time. The word redeem is a marketplace term. It is a marketplace term. It means to buy up the moments. It means to take advantage of the opportunities. It means to make right use of the opportunities. Now, let's look at the word time. This is our introduction. Time is a season, a fixed or definite period of opportunity. Time is a season. It is a fixed or definite period of opportunity. I like to say it like this, time is a slice of life. It is a slice of life. Now, time is a possession. It is a resource that you and I, all of us own time. All of us possess time. Time is a possession. Think of it as a possession. Think of time as a resource. And it is a resource. It is a possession that you and I own. Time. Time manifests, manifests itself in three forms. Past time, present time, future time. Past, present, future and then finally, time can be maximized, or the Bible term redeemed, or time can be wasted. Time can be maximized, or time can be wasted. Now, here's a statement, and then we'll, we're going to get into the heart of what I'm teaching you today. Now, listen at this statement. More often than not, more often than not, the difference between success and failure is how we steward time. I'll say that again. More often than not, the difference between success and failure is how we steward time. Steward simply means manage. I'll say it that way. More often than not, the difference between success and failure is how we manage time. Now, time is a terrible thing to waste. 
time is a terrible thing to waste. Now, let's talk about the right use of time. The rest of the way, we're going to talk about the right use of time. So if the difference between you and I, us, we, the difference between us being successful in life or failing in life is how we manage our time. So time is a terrible thing to waste. The rest of the way, let's talk about the right use of time. Now, in Joshua chapter 1, there's a background text I want to work with. There's a background text in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, rise and go over this Jordan. Now, this is what God said to Joshua after the death of Moses. So I want you to listen to the text because I'm going to divide it up into time segments. Moses, my servant, is dead. That's the past. Arise, therefore arise, is the present. Go over this Jordan, is the future. Time manifests itself in three forms. Past, Moses, my servant, is dead. Present, therefore arise. Future, go over this Jordan. Now, when I looked at the text, I came up with three categories or three divisions or three sections just using Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. First, let's talk about the right perspective of the past. The right perspective of the past. Secondly, let's talk about the right use of the present. The right use of the present. And then thirdly, let's talk about the right posture for the future. Right perspective of the past. Right use of the present and the right posture for the future. Now, let's talk about the right perspective of the past. Moses, my servant, is dead. The right perspective of the past. Now, if we're going to navigate through this season, because this is a difficult season that we're living in, an unprecedented historical season that we're living in. It is challenging, a very challenging season. And my son Sunday, in teaching on holding on to our peace, he, he outlined and described the season that we're living in and, and the difficulties of the season that we're living in. So, if we're going to navigate successfully through this season and get to the better days ahead or the best days ahead, we have to have the right perspective of the past. So let me give you some points about that. Number one, we must not glorify the past. We must not glorify the past. In other words, there are some believers, and I'm speaking to you, believer, there are some Christians 
that are romanticizing the past. They are romanticizing the past. When Israel uh, found themselves in the wilderness in their journey, they began to romanticize the past. Now, the past for them was slavery, Egyptian bondage for 430 years, but somehow they began to glorify or romanticize the past. Listen at what they said in, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 5 through 6. Listen what they said. They said, we remember, now they were in bondage now, but we remember the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, we remember the onions we ate freely in Egypt. Now think about it. There is no better illustration than this, than glorifying the past or romanticizing the past. Now listen carefully at this. This is a powerful truth here. The past, come on now, be honest. The past was a mixture. It was a mixture. There were some good things in the past, but there were some bad things. And it's so easy for us to get out of a relationship that was destructive, look back, and begin to romanticize the past, to begin to glorify the past. It's so easy. It's so easy for us to leave a job or leave a church or leave whatever it is or have a loved one to depart, and all of a sudden, we begin to glorify the past. When you glorify the past and romanticize the past, then you send a signal to your psyche that your best days are behind you. Your best days are behind you, but you have to be honest with yourself. There were some good things in the past, but there were also some bad things in the past. Israel had a great past in that they had a great leader. Man, they had a wonderful leader in Moses. Moses was a great leader. He was a miracle worker. Moses was the meekest man on the earth, the Bible says. Moses knew God face to face. They had manna from heaven. They had water from the rock. So there were some good things in their past. But let's not romanticize the past. Let's not glorify the past because Exodus 1, verse 11 through 14 says, listen carefully, it says that Pharaoh set over the people of Israel taskmasters to afflict them with heavy burdens and made their lives bitter with hard bondage. That was, the past wasn't just great, so, so forget about it. It wasn't just great, wasn't just uh, onions and leeks and, 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 and all that. No, 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 no. Hard bondage, hard, bitter times. Remember the difficulties of the wilderness. Remember the days you complain, the days you murmur. You know, people, you know, in our church, we have a history. Our Birmingham, we have a Birmingham campus and we have a Columbus, Georgia campus. And our Birmingham, our Columbus campus is a new campus, so we don't have a lot of history there. But in our Birmingham campus, we got a lot of history. And we got two campuses, 
Campus A and Campus B, and people talk about, they romanticize Campus A. Oh, when we was at Campus A, when we was at Campus A. But Campus A wasn't all good. There were some negative things there. Now, in order to navigate, you have to make sure that you don't glorify the past and you don't romanticize uh, the past. Even relationships, it wasn't all perfect. Now listen at this. Secondly, enjoy the good memories. If you got good memories of the past, enjoy those memories. That's a wonderful thing to enjoy those memories. Think about how God blessed you in the past. That's great. That's wonderful. You should hold on to that. But thirdly, you need to learn from the negatives of the past. If you think it was all great, then you won't learn from the negatives of the past. When I, I look at my past, I see some great things. I made some great decisions. But when I look at my past as a leader, I, oh, some dumb decisions, some bad decisions. Oh, my goodness. So what did I do with the past? I learned from it. I learned from my past. I learned from the negatives of my past. And then finally, how, what's the right perspective on the past? I must accept the fact that the past is past. That's the right perspective. Accept the fact that the past is past. Accept the fact that the past is past. Watch this. Do not waste time wishing. You can be in, in this pandemic, this cry, oh, I just wish we were, I, I just wish, you know, I just wish everything the way they were. I just, I just wish, you know, everything. See, you can spend all your time wishing, wishing, wishing. It's not going to change it. It's not going to change it. We're in a crisis. Wishing is not going to change it. Oh, I just wish, oh, I just wish life the way it was. I just, no, 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 no. That's a waste of time. Don't waste your time trying to relive the past. You can't relive the past. So it's a waste of time. And time is a terrible thing to waste. Don't waste your time wishing that things were the way they were in the past. Don't waste your time. It is a waste of time. You're just wasting time because wishing is not going change it. We're in a pandemic. We're in a crisis. There's some situations going on economically. There's some situations going on uh, in terms of health uh, issues and all the things connected to this. Nobody likes it. I don't like it. You don't like it. But I'm not going to waste time wishing that things were the things would are the way they were. I'm not going to waste time and I'm not going to waste time trying to relive the past. Okay. We're talking about the right perspective of the past. Now if you go back through that you'll 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 see I'm trying to get you over into something else. Now, let's talk about the right use of the present. Now, therefore, arise, he says, Moses is dead. The past is over. Can you do nothing about the past? Okay. Now, therefore, arise, Joshua. Now, therefore, arise, church. Now, therefore, arise, believer, the right use of the present. Let's talk about the right use of the present. The word arise there in, in Joshua 1-2 means to get up, to rouse up, to bring out from a state of sleeping, inactivity. Get up. Get up. Come on, get up. Let's deal with what's going on right now. Therefore, arise. You see, when you talk about the present, you're talking about today. The present is today. The present 
is today. Now watch this. And today is a gift. Today is a gift. Come on, say that. Today is a gift. Come on, say it. Today is a gift. You woke up this morning. Think about it. You woke up this morning. You're listening to me right now. Today is a gift. And that's why it's called a present. The present. It's a present. See, think about it. Now, today is a gift. It's a present is a present. So God is giving us a present. He's given us a gift today, present, now. So we have to take advantage of the present because it's a gift. Now, present, today is a gift. Today is a gift. Today is a gift. Today is the gift. Think about the gift that God has given us today. Now listen at this. There are opportunities, according to our text, even in difficult times. Let's go back to the text. Remember I said in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. The NIV says, make the most of every opportunity. And it says, don't be unwise. Notice it says the days are evil. Now, notice it says the days are evil and nothing happening now that God wants to happen. People dying, that's not God's will. People being unemployed, that's not God's will. We're in some evil days. But the Bible says in our text, make the most of the opportunities, make the most of every opportunity in the evil days. So that tells me even in these days, there are some opportunities available to us. And I want to give you three, I want to look at three opportunities. And remember, we're talking about the right use of time. We talked about the right perspective of the past. Now we're talking about the right use of the present, the right use of the present. And there are three main opportunities that you can take advantage of in this time. Now I want you to listen. This is next level thinking. We're beginning a new series this coming Sunday called Next Level Faith next level faith. So in a way, I'm kind of introducing you now to some next level thinking, right use of the present, three opportunities. Now, you have the opportunity to take advantage of your spiritual resources. You have an opportunity today to grow spiritually, and you have an opportunity to pray out your future. Now, let's look at these three things. Number one, you have an opportunity, even in these evil days, to take advantage of your spiritual resources. You have spiritual resources. And Michael talked about one of those Sunday, and it was powerful. He said, we got to hold on to our peace. And in, in a nutshell, he was saying to you and I that peace is one of our spiritual resources. Now, I want to talk about two other resources that you have. 
You have the resource of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, and he's there. God is on the inside of you. His presence is in you and with you. His comfort is in you and with you. His wisdom is in you and with you, and he is the greatest teacher on the planet, and he is on the inside of you to teach you how to to handle everything you're dealing with. If you have never taught a child before, you have never done that before, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to teach you how to do that. He's in you to teach you how to navigate through this at-home stuff. How do I handle this at-home stuff? How do I handle the situation of not having my job right now? How, he's on the inside of you to teach you. You have him there. You are not by yourself. You're not alone. He's on the inside of you. He's a spiritual resource. John 14, 16 through 18 says, Jesus says, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send you another comforter. And even though I am leaving, he'll abide with you forever. In other words, he's going to stay with you no matter what's going on in your life. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you no matter what you're facing right now. He'll abide forever. The, Jesus said, now the world can't receive him. The world can't receive him. That means you and I have an advantage because we received him in the new birth. Then Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. In other words, the word comfortless means an orphan. He says, now, I'm not going to leave you to fend for yourself. You're not going to have to navigate through this pand pandemic and crisis and economic and child care and child oversight and teaching. He said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. To, to, you got to deal with that all about yourself. Now, listen what he says, listen what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 through 5. He's the God of all comfort. He's in there to comfort you, all comfort. Now watch this. He's there to comfort you in all your tribulation, everything you're dealing right now. And then he's there so you can take his comfort and comfort other folk who are hopeless right now. Think about it. You have an opportunity to not only walk in his comfort, his wisdom, his presence, his teaching, but you also have the capacity to take that comfort in, be cool about it. I mean, just cool with all the pressure around you. He's comforting you. He's encouraging you. He's cheering you up. And then you take that comfort and help other folk who don't have the comfort. And then he says, as the tribulation, the suffering, the pressure increase, he says the comfort will increase. So you have the Holy Spirit. The third resource, Mike talked about peace, comfort, the Holy Spirit. He's on the inside of you. You can talk to him. You can tell him what you're dealing with. You can tell him what you need. You can tell him what you don't understand. You can ask him to show you how to do it. He's there to help you. And then there's the grace of God. There's the grace of God. First Peter 4.10 says that we have to be good stewards of the grace. Be good stewards of the grace. 
don't try to handle this thing by yourself. Don't try to, well, I'm just going to grip my teeth and just, no, no, no. Be a good steward of the grace, the manifold grace of God. I taught a series entitled God's Grace Beyond Amazing. It is beyond amazing. And in that series, there are four things available to you. There's grace for favor if you need somebody to help you. There's grace for strength if you feel like quitting. There's grace for provision if you need money. And then there's grace for ability. He'll show you and he'll help you to do what you're not able to do. Now, the Apostle Paul was in a situation kind of like ours, but it was so much more pressure on him. In 2 Corinthians, he lists all the things he was dealing with, prisons and beatings and shipwreck. And he said there were times when we were hungry and times we were thirsty. He said there were times we were in danger on the sea, dangers in the desert, dangers in the city. People was trying to kill him. And then he said, I had all the pressure of all these churches. He said it was overwhelming. And then on one occasion, he went to God and he said, now, God, I can't handle this, this thorn in the flesh. I cannot handle this spirit. Follow me all around. And he said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it away. Take it away. And he said, I prayed three times. Take it away. And maybe that's what you're doing. You're saying, God, take all this pressure. Take it all away. Take it all away. Take it all away. No, 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 no. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> I want you to listen to me. You have the opportunity to take advantage of resources that you have. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God said in a, in a nutshell, I don't have to take everything away from you. He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength Oh, Lord, I just don't have the strength. I don't know if I can handle this. No, he said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You said, well, I'm so weak right now. I just don't know if I can make it through this. No, yeah, maybe you can't make it. But he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness. And then when Paul realized that, Paul realized God didn't have to take away everything that's what we want. Take it away. Take it away. He realized that God didn't have to take away everything. Listen, listen. God didn't have to take away everything. He says, my grace is sufficient. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul, when he heard that, he said, well, then I'll glory in my infirmity, in my weakness, because in my weakness, now notice what he says, in my weakness, the power of Christ rests on me. When I'm weakest, the power of Christ rests on me. Now listen, don't waste the opportunity to use your spiritual resources. Mike said this, my son said this Sunday, and it just jumped out at me. He said, you built for this. Come on, say it again. Come on, say, I'm built for this. I'm built for the pandemic. I'm built for the economic crisis. I'm built for COVID-19. Come on, say it. I'm built for this. Come on, say it. I'm built for this. Now, don't waste the opportunity to take advantage 
of your spiritual resources. Everybody else is pulling their hair out. Everybody else is suicidal. But you have spiritual resources, and that's why God gave them to you for times like this. So don't waste the opportunity to not use the peace, the Holy Spirit, and all he brings to the table and the grace of God. Now listen at this. Don't waste the opportunity, secondly, to grow spiritually. Don't waste the opportunity to grow spiritually. This is the season of your greatest growth. You say, well, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Okay, you're feeling overwhelmed. Now, listen at me. This is the opportunity for you to grow spiritually. When the pressure is on, when the challenges are great, it is the best opportunity for you to grow spiritually. Now, now listen, watch this. Follow my, my rationale. David came to prominence when, think about it, when did David come to prominence? Did he come to prominence when he was on the backside of the, uh, the desert in the wilderness feeding the sheep? No. Did David come to prominence when he killed the lion and the bear? No. David came to prominence when he faced Goliath. And what you may not realize, this giant was challenging the nation of Israel. In other words, in those days, one person would represent the whole nation. And that's why Goliath stood out there above 10 feet and said, give me a man. In other words, whoever wins, me or whoever you bring out to fight me, the other nation, the nation that loses will serve that nation. So really, the whole nation is on the line. Think about it. Not only the nation, but God's reputation is on the line. David came to prominence when he faced the giant. He came to prominence when he faced Goliath. Now listen at this. Don't waste the opportunity. Don't wait this opportunity. Your greatest level of spiritual growth. Now I want you to listen to this. This is faith talking now. Your greatest level of spiritual growth will take place when you face your greatest challenge. Your greatest level of spiritual growth will take place when you're forced to look outside of yourself, because you can't handle it, and you're forced to depend on God. Your great, if you look back, if you look back, when I look back through my life, when I look back to the church history, our greatest level of development was when we faced our greatest challenge. For example, the building of the 3,000-seat sanctuary, the dome, the word dome, was our greatest challenge at that time, and we didn't see how we were going to do it. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the big donors, but we had God. And together we believed God, and at that time, it was our greatest, as a church, faith achievement. $16 million paid off the dome debt-free. 
Your greatest level of spiritual growth, if you look back in your life, your greatest growth came when you overcame your greatest challenge. And all of you can look back at some area in your life where you overcame, you, you won. I, I remember my wife went through a, a thing for a couple of years, a physical challenge, physical illness for a couple of years. And I remember her getting in that word and she was in there and she said, I'm not going to watch any television. And she did that about 40 days. I mean, no television, just word, just word, just word. And she came through that thing. I mean, she came through it. And, and I would submit to you that probably her greatest level of growth came when she faced her greatest challenge. Listen, it's an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to grow spiritually. Don't just wish it away. No, you got spiritual resources. Take advantage of that opportunity. But take advantage of the opportunity to grow in this thing. Listen, listen. Don't waste the opportunity to prove God's faithfulness. God is faithful, and don't waste it. Oh, you got an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness. You've been saying that the Word of God is the answer. That's what you said. That's what I said. That's what God said to me in 1984. He said the Word of God is the answer. Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? You have an opportunity now to prove it. You have an opportunity to now to demonstrate it. You have an opportunity to grow spiritually. You have an opportunity to help the hopeless. There are so many. Look around you. Open your eyes up. Listen to the fear. Listen to the anxiety. Listen to the worry. Listen to people are committing suicide. You have an opportunity to grow spiritually. And a big part of our spiritual growth is helping other folk. It's not just us. It's not just help me, help me, help me. Really, the next series we're talking about, we're, the next series we're going to deal with, Next Level Faith, it ain't really about you getting your prayers answered. It ain't really about you getting this, getting, no. It's about you growing, developing, developing and influencing others, impacting your world. You have an opportunity to grow spiritually. In order to grow muscles, you got to put some pressure on them. I've heard weightlifters, people who have built their bodies, they say it's the pressure the pressure don't make you have muscles, but it's exercising and utilizing the pressure. Now, the trouble, all the stuff we're dealing with is not going to make you stronger if you don't take your spiritual resources and exercise. Take your resources and exercise, and you're going to discover that when this thing is over, you will have grown spiritually. Thirdly, you have an opportunity to pray out your future. You have an opportunity to pray out your future. You have an opportunity to pray out your future. You have an opportunity, come out, using the present now, in the present you have, an, uh, you have an opportunity to use your spiritual resources, you have an opportunity to grow spiritually, and then you have an opportunity to pray out your future. Now let me share a little secret. I, uh, I learned this years ago that I didn't have to wait 
to my future showed up to pray about it. See, better days are ahead of you. Why don't you take some time and pray out your future? Now, the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. That's Romans 8, 26, 27. It says, But the Holy Spirit makes intercessions for us, according to the perfect will of God for the saints. God's perfect will for the saints. Now, here's what I've learned, and I've, I've done this for years, and I've especially done it during this season. I'll go to God, and I say, now, God, now, this is my prayer time, and my, my prayer time, this is one bucket of my prayer time. I pray for a lot of things, from the body of Christ to the nations. I pray for Faith Chapel. I pray for my members. I pray for my family. I pray for me. But here's the bucket of time. I, I take about 30 minutes of this bucket of time, and I say, now, God, you know what the future holds. Things may never be normal. Church may never be normal. You know what the future holds for me. You know what the future holds for Faith Chapel. You know what the future holds for the nations. You know what the future holds for the body of Christ. I'm going to take just 30 minutes and pray about the future. And I'll go. I just pray out the future. Now, I'm not saying you got to spend 30 minutes. That's my bucket of time. You can spend 10 minutes. You can spend five minutes. But don't wait till you get to the future to pray about it because sometimes it's too late to pray about it because it's present. No, I pray about things ahead of time. That's why God will speak to you once you start praying about things ahead of time. That's why he said, go cyber. He said, go cyber. Well, that was before we got here. Go cyber. Well, see, I'm praying out the future, and God will begin to show you things, and he'll say things about the future, and this is the opportunity that you have before the present, before the future comes. You have an opportunity now to pray about it. Take about, think about that for a minute. Now, the last area that I want to conclude on, we're talking about the right use of time. Right perspective of the past, right use of the present, and right posture for the future. Let's talk about the right posture for the future. God said to Joshua, Joshua 1, 2, go over this Jordan. That's the future. That's moving forward. The future deals with vision. It deals with vision. So what is the right posture what is the right posture for the future? What is the right posture? I give, you, I give you three things in closing. Number one, evaluate past mistakes and miscues. You want to evaluate now. Come again, right posture, posturing yourself, position yourself for the future. You want to evaluate past miscues, past mistakes. Why you want to do that? You don't want to take the, the failures into the future. So right now, begin to look at some things maybe you did wrong in the past, some mistakes, because your future is going to be great. But you don't want to take stuff 
And people do that in marriage all the time. They have a breakup in a marriage, breakup in a relationship, and they take the same stuff over into the next relationship. So evaluate past mistakes and miscues, talking about posturing for the future. Number two, evaluate any unresolved emotional issues. Evaluate any unresolved emotional issues, guilt issues, regret issues, bitterness issues. Resolve that stuff. Okay, it was bad. You had a bad breakup, okay? You had a bad marriage, or you had a boyfriend, girlfriend breakup, or whatever. It was bad, or you broke up with the church, or you broke up with your employer. You had all these things. It, okay, resolve any unresolved emotional issues, okay? Sometimes we need to mourn some things. Okay, take your time and mourn, but you don't want to take grief over into the future. Ask for forgiveness if it's something you did. Forgive others if it's something somebody else did. Why? You want to posture yourself for the future. So secondly, evaluate any unresolved emotional issues. And then thirdly, you want to plan Per, uh, you want to plan for the future, a purpose-driven life. You want to plan for the future, a purpose-driven life. What do you mean by that? You're going to take in the future purpose, not busyness. I'm going I'm, I'm to let that soak for a minute. I think that a lot of what we were doing before the pandemic hit, a lot of it was busyness, B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S. It is possible to be busy with things that are not purpose. Now, maybe you've heard of this example. I, I read it years ago about a man who was climbing the ladder of success, and he got to the top and realized that the ladder was leaning up against the wrong building. And he spent all that time climbing the ladder of success, got to the top, and the ladder was leaning against the wrong building. And that's the way some Christians are. They just busy, 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 busy. And that's where some of you are struggling right now. You're just so busy. You're just so busy. And, and, and you've been forced to slow down some. So the, 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 the key now, and if you'll start praying about the future, God will start showing you some things about what he, you remember the text says, understanding what the will of the Lord is. You can go into this next season in purpose, not just busy stuff. You want to go in this next season in purpose. And if you'll do what I said about taking a few minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, however time, and just pray out the future. Pray about the, I do that on a regular basis. I pray about the future on a regular basis. If you'll learn to take a segment of time and I tell God all the time, I said, now, God, I don't know what the future holds, but you do. So I'm going to pray about it now in the spirit. I'm going to pray 
in tongues about the future, and God will drop little insights and drop little nuggets about things that haven't even happened yet, but he'll begin to reveal some things. And when you get over in the present, in the future, that now is the present, you'll be working out purpose rather than just business. Now, listen, I thought that was, that was, that was a lot of information. So for just a moment, I want to review and, um, I want to view just a, just a moment because it's quite a bit of information. What I talked about was time is a terrible thing to waste. And I got a few questions. I'll answer those questions. Time is a terrible thing to waste. I wanted to define waste, redeem, and time. Okay. Then we talked about the right use of time, right perspective of the past, if you go back, you'll get some out of that. Right use of the present and then right posture for the future. Now, you've got to go back and listen because that was a lot of information. Sometimes it's not the whole lesson that's going to bless you. Sometimes it can be one word. Sometimes it can be, you know, when Michael was talking Sunday, it really blessed me. He said, you're built for this. And for whatever reason, that jumped out at me. You're built for this. So go back, listen to it, listen to it, because what the Spirit of God is attempting to do is get you through it successfully. And if you follow me, I'm praying we'll help you get through it successfully, not wounded, not beat up. Growth, increase, no loss. That's what I'm believing for you. Growth, increase, no loss. Now, does grace ever run out? Never. It never runs out. See, for grace to, that's a good question. For grace to run out, God has to run out. <clears throat> it's the grace of God. It's the supply of God. It's God's favor. It's God's power to resist the temptation. It's God's provision. It's God's ability. When you talk about grace, it's not you. It's not willpower. Willpower will run out. I'm just going to make it. I'm just going to tough it through. You know, that's what the world says. Just tough it through. No, no. Grace can't run out. We get exhausted because we're dealing with us. It's our power. It's our intellect. It's our bitter. We're trying to figure it out. We're not asking the Holy Spirit anything. We're not saying, Holy Spirit, I'm at an impasse. How do I deal with this? How do I handle this? We're not even talking to the Holy Spirit. We act like he's not even in us. We don't say anything, so we run out. But grace, great question, grace will never run out. How do you deal with this season of change and fight discouragement and the enemy to peace at the same time? You don't have to, you don't have to fight. Listen, if you go back, if you go back and you listen to this lesson, I promise you, don't, don't think you fighting, don't think you fighting, okay? Remember what I said. Mike said, hold on to peace. He wasn't talking about your peace. He was talking about Jesus' peace, okay? I talked about the Holy Spirit. I talked about the grace of God. Don't think, don't think you fighting. See, if you concentrate on your resources, you don't have to struggle with this. You, you won't, see, you, when, we, when we concentrate on discouragement, we get discouraged, 
we focus on discouragement. We focus on change, 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 change. Discouragement. Listen, what I'm trying to get you to do is see, listen, the change is just a pathway. Don't get caught up in it. This change, that change, don't get caught up in it. The change is a pathway to your best days. Understand change, but don't get caught up in that. I'm saying get caught up in what you have in God. Get caught up in those resources and you'll, you'll discover. See, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain this because this question, how do you deal with the season of change and find discouragement and the enemy to peace at the same time, okay? Years ago, years ago, I was struggling with temptation, man. I, I, was, I was tempted to sin, just flat out sin, okay? And I went to God, and I'm trying not to. I'm just trying not to, you know, and I just got exhausted. I just, you know, like, like and the enemy telling me I'm going to fail, I'm going to mess up, and all he's telling me all this crazy stuff. I went to God, and I said, God, I'm struggling. Now, listen to what I said. I am struggling. I am struggling. Here's what God said to me. He said, ask me for more grace. Now, what was he saying? Don't focus on your struggle. Focus on my grace. I can't tell you how it happened. I don't know how it happened. I said, okay, well, God, give me your grace. I received your grace. And I know how faith works. Once I receive it, I got to start confessing. I start saying I got the grace of God. I got the grace. God's grace is sufficient for me. I can handle this. I can deal with this. I can't tell you how it happened, but all of a sudden, the temptation decreased its strength, and my strength increased. But it really wasn't my strength. It was God's grace. So rather than focusing on the discouragement and trying to fight it, I'm saying you got spiritual resources. Steward those resources. Manage those resources. Utilize those resources. I got a pen right here, this pen. This pen gives me the ability to write. Just having this pen won't do me any good. I have to steward the pen. I have to use its ability. I can't write with my finger, but the pen can write. So rather than me trying to write with my finger, I'll lean on the pen and write, okay? You're leaning on the spirit. You're leaning on the grace. You're leaning on the peace rather than you're trying to do anything. But that's an outstanding grace. What is the most efficient way to discover your purpose? The most efficient way to discover your purpose is in prayer. Spending time, and especially if you're a spirit-filled, you talk in tongues, pray about your purpose. Say, God, I'm going to pray about my purpose. I'm going to pray in the spirit about it. And then evaluate your giftings. Look at what you're anointed to do. Look at what you're successful at. Look at the, a lot of times our giftings are evidence of what God has put on the inside of us. And sometimes we don't know until we try something. But you'll never find purpose just talking to people. You have to talk to God about your purpose. And the best way is to do what you put your hands to. Whatever you can put your hands to. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. 
But I took, I, but I was out in the streets trying to lead people to Christ. I was, I was doing what I could put my hand to. A lot of people, they're waiting for God to just show them purpose. Show them, you pray and put your hands to whatever you can, whatever the ministry needs, whatever you see, you put your hands to something. Get involved in your local church, put your hands to something, and keep praying out, and the Spirit of God lead you right into your purpose. Great questions. Absolutely. I pray you got some out of it today. Amen. Go back and listen to it. It's a good lesson. 